Hello and welcome to the 10 to Track Weekly World Match Previews Podcast. This is episode number 42. So it's been suggested by my former website man, Dan the Eterno Inferno, that I include all the answers to and the meaning of life in this particular broadcast. Yeah, if you're familiar with the show, it feels unlikely to me too, absolutely. But we will do many previews of 10 huge matches from around the globe. doesn't matter whether they're league matches, big or small, international club matches, international tournament matches. We look at everything and we go to any and every corner of the footy globe to find them. If it's a top two matchup from somewhere, we're probably covering it. This week's episode will cover matches from Friday, July 30th through Thursday, through August 5th. So with no further ado, let's dive right in with... March number one! As always, we will keep things chronologically oriented. That means first looking at Friday, the beginning of the Team Noob Footy Week. And we head to Europe, specifically the League of Ireland Premier Division. Now, this isn't one of the strongest leagues in UEFA, by far. It's only ranked number uh, 45. But that's the case with a lot of these northern leagues that play in the summertime kind of in the offseason. They just tend to not be quite as far up the coefficients. It's an important match still being played, and that's why we like to cover these from anywhere. They're just over halfway through the season in Ireland, and your matchup is number one, Shamrock Rovers versus second place currently in the table, St. Patrick's Athletic. They've played once already this season. This will be the second and final time, I believe. And it was Rovers that came out on top at St. Pat's, uh, one to two. Uh, Rovers also lead the all-time or at least recent year series with an 18, 15, and 11 record, uh, record against St. Patrick's. They are currently tied in the table. Rovers lead just by two on the tiebreaker of goal differential right now. So that's why this is such a big, important match. Let's talk about the home team first out of Talacht, I believe. But boy, that's a guess. There's going to be a lot of guessing for pronunciations on this podcast, just to be honest. So if you're from or a fan of a particular area, please have mercy on poor noob. I am just learning. In any case, it is in South Dublin. This is a satellite city of Dublin, maybe about 80,000. They've never quite managed to get to the Champions League group stage in their entire history, even though they've gotten to play there quite a bit. More recently, uh, 2011-2012, they did get to the group stage of the Europa League. This year, they happened to fall out of the Champions League in the first round to Slovakian side Slovan Bratislava. They're about to face Teuta. I think I can get this pronunciation right. Teuta Duras out of Albania. And that's going to be the third qualifying round of the Europa Conference League. As I like to mention every week, since it's a first-time tournament, there are now three international club tournaments in Europe. Champions League that they just lost in, the secondary tournament Europa League, which is where it used to be that a lot of these teams dropped to, and now the ECL, which is the tertiary tournament, and they're going to drop all the way down to that one. Domestically, much more successful. They've got 18 league titles to their credit. That is best in national history, and they are the defending league champs, but they hadn't won for a decade before that. Uh, Teams like this I just love statistically. They've got the second-best offense and defense going, number one goal differential. They're my favorites to win the league. Of course, that's easy to say when they're already number one by a tiny bit and having a home game. Uh, Tied for number three in league scoring, their star is Graham Burke. In fact, he is the all-time leader in scoring in international competition for Rovers. Uh, He started his youth career, played for a year with Aston Villa. He's been with Rovers a couple of times. This is his second stint there. And then this bit of information, uh, this is something of a learning journey for me, if you will. Uh, Soccer noob, not just a character, it is my life. And I've always kind of wondered what these coefficient rankings 
you know, truly mean, and this gives a better picture. This guy is the star there in South Dublin, but when he hasn't been with Rovers, he's been over in England, mainly playing with uh, League One and National League clubs. Those are the third and fifth divisions in Britain. So professional, but certainly not Premier League by any stretch. Now, your visitors, St. Patrick's, they are out of, uh, I believe it's pronounced Inchior or Inchicore, rather, Dublin. Uh, this is a suburb about five miles west of the city center. It's mostly residential now, uh, still has a functioning uh, railway works there that helps the economy. Uh, the town was originally built around a British military base. It's been uh, long since transformed into a museum, though. Best international finish they've ever had, third qualifying round of the Europa League. Uh, this last year, they lost in the Europa League first qualifying round. Domestically, eight league titles to their credit. They won it last in 2013, but that's their only one this century. Uh, they've got the best offense going, top three defense, so this is going to be one heck of a matchup. They tend to spread their offense around a little bit, but their best score so far to date has been uh, in the top 10, Ronan Kowlin, and then they've also got statistically the best goalkeeper going, Vitislav Jerosh out of Czechoslovakia. Pardon me, Czech Republic. Match number B. Thank you, dearest daughter, Persinuba, as always, for reminding us that number two, yuck. Who wants to say or hear that? It's bathroom talk. We prefer number B. There's nothing wrong with the digit number two, but please, new bites, consider using number B as a phrase in your, deal, in your daily lives. Join the quiet revolution, number B. And now off to the number B match, and we are off to Africa, the country of Malawi, their Super League, which of the uh, 50-some-odd uh, countries in Africa that have league associations, theirs is unranked. Unlike most federations, they don't rank all the teams there. They only rank, like, the top, I believe it's 32. So just like Ireland, since it's not one of the strongest ones, but that's one of the great things about this podcast. Who else is covering Malawi? Hey, it's a mini preview just two or three minutes, and you'll learn something that your other footy friends won't know. Lots of fun to learn about soccer and the world. So now I found some conflicting information. Uh, obviously, the champions of every country in uh, the CAF get to go to the Champions League. What I'm not as sure on is if the second place team gets to go to international competition automatically. I believe in most countries that are outside the top 12 in the CAF rankings, champion, champion goes to the Champions League. And then the only other team that gets international berth of any kind is the winner of the FA Cup goes to the Confederation Cup. I did find something that suggests that second place from league play from Malawi uh, may well also be getting to go to the Confederation Cup. In any case, your matchup, it is number B, Nyasa Big Bullets versus number one Silver Strikers. I love the African club names down there. This is another really, really tight race. They're about three quarters of the way through the season, and Silver Strikers only lead by one point in the table. In turn, Big Bullets lead. I found two different names for this club, oddly enough. They're either B forward or now Mighty Wanderers. And in any case, they lead them by eight. So this late in the season, this is very much a two-horse race. Silver Strikers won at home for the first match against the Big Bullets this season, one to nil. We'll start by talking about the second-place team currently, Nyasa Big Bullets. They play out of a city called Blantyre or Blantyre. Uh, Nyasa is actually the name of a corporate sponsor. The city is in the southern part of the country. It's about 800,000 big. And this is essentially the commercial financial capital of the country. Uh, they have had four Champions League appearances in the past. In uh, 2005, in fact, they even made the group stage. Really surprising for a country that's you know, not even ranked. And if they were ranked at the time, I would be really surprised. Domestically, 
14 league titles, and they've won four of the last six. This is your current powerhouse down there, two-time defending champions. I believe they had an abbreviated uh, season last year and didn't name a formal champion, so the most recent one was 2019. They have the second-best offense, number one defense in the country, and are tied with you-know-who for having the best goal differential. This is going to be an amazing race down the stretch in Malawi. Silver Strikers, they are known as the Bankers, not the most captivating mascot, but certainly a fun nickname. They play out of the capital city of uh, Lilongwe, and they are the Bankers because they were founded as a social club by the Reserve Bank of Malawi back in the 1970s. And they're actually founded in the city of Blantyre, but now they have since moved to the capital. 2015, I believe, might have been their only Champions League appearance. They uh, won their preliminary round game and then lost in the first official qualifying round. That said, they do have eight league titles to their credit. Most recently won it in 2014. In the last full season, 2019, they finished in fourth place. And they are the flip side, statistically, of the other team. Number one offense, tied for number two on defense, and tied for number one on goal differential. Match number three. By the way, match number B was another Friday match. This time we flipped the calendar to Sunday, though we stay in Africa. Though this time we're headed to a much stronger league. The number 10 ranked league in Africa is Angola's Girabola. And talk about your high drama. This is the last match of the season. Number B, Petro de Luanda, taking on number one, Sagrada Esperanza. And when I say drama, I mean it. These two are tied on points and goal differential. I believe the head-to-head, not goal scored, is the next tiebreaker. Because otherwise, Petro de Luanda would be listed on top. But it's Sagrada Esperanza that apparently only have to get a result in this game to win the title. Because they won the previous regular season matchup 1-0. to So we'll talk about the second place team first playing out of the capital of Luanda. It is PDL. They have 15 league titles to their credit, but they haven't hoisted the trophy since 2009. Uh, Champions League wise, they've never made it past the second round. This year, second best offense and defense. And like so many African and Asian countries for that matter, the top scorer on their team is from Brazil. They export everywhere. Singularly named Azulao. This is his second stint with this team. He's been all over Europe. Last year, he was in a really interesting uh, league location. Uh, Cyprus, the Cypriot uh, Premier League there with Olympiakos Olympiakos Nicosia. Now, as far as their form, they are 4-1-0 in their last five. So they're looking very strong hanging in this home match. Now, Sagrada Esperanza, they play out of the city of Dundo in the northeast part of the country. About 175,000 people. Historically, this was a uh, community that was founded as a planned community specifically for and around the diamond mine there. Uh, Since, uh, I believe the diamond mine is still active, but the city's gotten big enough now and has enough diversified economy that they're building a whole new city simply called New Dundo right next to it. So within the next 10 and 20 years, you will have old and new Dundo, which will be fun. As far as the footy, two Champions League appearances to their credit, but they've never made it past the first round. Uh, Their only league actual title was in 2005. This year, top four offense, but number one on defense. Oh, and how. They have only allowed 10 goals in nearly 30 matches. Their current form, they are 4-0-1. Two matches ago, they lost to the number six team, and that's the reason that they're in this position where they may not get to win the title. Match number four. And surprisingly, that was their only Saturday match Kind of strange. That's two Saturdays in a row. Well, last Saturday, actually, we had no matches that made the cut, even though it's usually the day of the week with the broadest expanse to choose from. But in any case, match number four, we are already on to Sunday. We're going to talk about 
or actually not in a way. The CONCACAF Gold Cup Final. This is the championships for North America, the Caribbean, and Central America. You can catch it on TV at 8.30 in the evening on FS1 or Univision if you prefer the Spanish-language broadcast. They're playing this in Paradise, Nevada, or essentially the greater Las Vegas area. And the matchup is, in case you hadn't heard, and I bet you have, USA versus Mexico. Now, as I mentioned, Soccer Noob, not just a moniker, it is my life. There's not much I'm going to be able to tell you about these two teams that you don't already know and are getting from other podcasts. So in instances like these, I like to use it as an opportunity to learn about something in the world through the lens of soccer or soccer as an excuse. In this case, we're going to talk about food, one of my favorites. I decided to set your menu for watching the CONCACAF Gold Cup final. If you have the wherewithal and the stomach to make these two things, God bless you. I did a little bit searching for what was the weirdest Mexican food that I could find in Las Vegas? And I'm not sure of the pronunciation. The name of the restaurant is simply E, lowercase, with an accent mark over it, by Jose Andres, or Andreas, uh, there in the Las Vegas area proper. And one of the things on his menu, so here's your entree, is called Mar y Montaña, or Sea and Mountain. And this actually isn't a... That name doesn't refer to a single specific dish. It's common in Latin American countries for any number of things that include, uh, uh, think surf and turf, but a little bit more broadly, where you have a sort of a mountain as animals, potentially, or at least land-based, and then something seafood. And this looked awful, because remember, this thing is an animal, and an awful one with all its spindly feeder tentacles out one end and leathery skin with an exoskeleton underneath, <clears throat> a sea cucumber. Stuff it with pork. Go ahead, eat that. I don't care what you stuff a sea cucumber with. I'm not eating it. I Googled up the pictures of those things, and those things look awful. So on to dessert. But as you can imagine, I'm not going to do you any favors. This isn't really connected to an area where the game is being played, but just doing some general searching, I found a traditional dessert in New Mexico, the U.S. side of the border. For some reason, people there, and I had never heard this before in all my years, enjoy topping frozen custard specifically with salty pecans, okay, not bad, and green chili sauce. Soccer Noob USA is my handle on Twitter, and if you make or eat or have ever eaten either of these things, I would love to hear from you on there. But in any case, there is your menu for the CONCACAF Gold Cup Final. Enjoy. Match number five. All righty, after that bit of culinary uh, nastiness, let's just call it what it is, but hey, it amuses me, and that's what I'm here for. Let's cleanse our palate with a trip to Asia, specifically, and I think this might be the first time we've covered this league ever on the podcast, the Premier League of Brunei, Brunei Dar Salaam. Uh, now, if this is a league you're not familiar with, don't be too hard on yourself, New Bites. They are tied for last, basically having no coefficient points as a league in Asia, the entire AFC. This is a team that just doesn't do anything internationally. Now, they're just a few matches into the season, but that said, that almost puts them halfway through the season. There's 14 teams, and they only play a single round robin each year. The winner of this league will get to go to the AFC Cup. Note that that is not the AFC Champions League. The uh, middling and smaller, or uh, as they call it, I believe in their documentation, the soccer developing countries in Asia, a lot of their champions are for some of the middle leagues or second and third place teams. They go to this thing instead of to the Champions League because once you get past about the first six leagues in Asia and the coefficient rankings, there is a monstrous drop-off in uh, 
talent quality level. In any case, this matchup, number one, DPMM versus number B, Kasuka. Actually, there's a three-way tie at the top right now where they've all got 15 points. Uh, DPMM lead by about 20 on goal differential. And no, you did not miss here that. We will talk about them first. They are known as the Wasps. Um, I do not, uh, I will not dare try to pronounce uh, in the original language, but basically DPMM is an acronym for His Royal Highness, the Crown Prince of Brunei FC. Uh, the club is actually owned by Al Mutadi Bila, the Crown Prince, and he actually used to play goalkeeper there as well. Now, I don't know whether that was because of his royal connections or if the guy was really athletic. My, uh, I decided not to go down that particular rabbit hole. Maybe next time, Mr. Crown Prince. In any case, they play, as you would imagine, out of the capital city, which there is Bandar Siri Begawan. If you're familiar with this team at all, it may be because they've played in some other Premier Leagues. This is a team that, uh, that travels from year to year sometimes. They have played in both Singapore and Malaysia's top flight. And then in 2019, they uh, sent or established a youth team back in Brunei. And now after the pandemic, I'm pretty sure that they have brought the senior team home. And that's what this is playing in the Premier League this year. Now, in 2002-2003, I believe by virtue of winning the uh, S-League in Singapore, which is much more highly rated, this team actually got to play in the Champions League once, made the second qualifying round. In Brunei proper, they have won the title three times uh, since 2002. And again, yes, uh, they also won the S-League in 2014, I'm seeing here from my notes. They are 5-0-0 in the season, no surprise there, because I mentioned 15 points. But the goal differential will just boggle your mind, 54-4. And one against. I wonder who had to uh, put up with a fraternity-style hazing for being the one most responsible for giving up the one goal on the year. Meanwhile, Kasuka coming to town to see what they can do. They also play out of the capital city. They are 5-0-0 as well, of course. Uh, this goal differential would boggle the mind if you hadn't heard the previous one. They've also only given up one goal. They've only managed to score a mere 31 goals in their roughly six games. So, Boo to you, Kasuka. Do better. Just 31 and 1? Come on. Where are you playing? Table? You know, I was going to say table tennis. So that's not right. Table soccer. Anyway, maybe I'm the one who needs to up his game a little bit, not them. In any case, 2018-19, they finished runner-up in the league. That was their best ever finish. Uh, because of that, they were actually supposed to play in the AFC Cup this year, but just within the last month or so, all of the uh, Southeast Asian regional matches have been canceled. They couldn't find a place where they were willing to play, teams were willing to play, so because of the pandemic. So that entire, that's one of the five regions for the Asian Cup, and they simply canceled all the matches. So unfortunate for them. Rabid, voracious kitties. Person who imitating them, that sounder can only mean one thing. It's time to take a break from the tracking of the upcoming week's matches and do what we purport to do, and that is namely track. Let's take a look back and recap last week's 10 to track. Match number one was a Friday match out of Singapore's Premier League. Number one, Albi Rex Niigata took on Lion City Sailors, second place in the table. The result was a 1-1 draw. For the Sailors, Stipe Plazabot, their star, had the equalizer in the 72nd minute. Match number B came to us out of USL's League 2. Yeah, the fourth division, where in a semifinal, my own Des Moines Menace, I used to live in the Des Moines area, took on Kalamazoo, Michigan, and it was the Menace, the good guys coming on top 2-1. to one. They will get to play the North Carolina Fusion for the title next Saturday. 
Sunday, match number three. We went to Lithuania's A Liga for number B Suduba, taking on number one Zalgiris Vilnius. And the result was that it was postponed date yet to be announced to the best of my knowledge. Match number four, Major League Soccer gave us number one in the West Seattle Sounders, taking on second place Sporting Kansas City from that conference. And Kansas City came out on top, handling one to three man of the match candidate that we said to look out for. Daniel Saloy from Hungary had the game winner, the second goal in that one. Match number five, the CONCACAF Gold Cup. This was the quarterfinal. We did USA versus Jamaica, largely looked at the Jamaican national team. The result, as I'm sure you know, was a, no, was a 1-0 win for USA. USA also went on later in the week to win once again, and they will face Mexico in the final, which we're going to be talking about this podcast. Match number six, we went to Mozambique, the Mosambola, for number two, Ferroviario Bayra versus number one, Black Bulls Maputo, and the result was a scoreless draw. Tuesday, match number seven. For the first time this year, we went to China's Super League, where number B, Guangzhou FC, took on number one, Shandong Taishan, and it was Guangzhou taking on, or rather not taking on, but winning 2-1. They took them on and won. Shandong Taishan have slipped now to number three in that group's table. Wednesday gave us match number eight. We went to Europe's Champions League second qualifying round, the second legs of the two-legged, a uh, second match of the two-legged ties. Red Star Belgrade from Serbia took on Kairat out of Kazakhstan. This looked like it might be the most competitive match. And Kairat came in leading 2-1, but it was Red Star in a route 5-0. So they win and advance 6-2 on aggregate. Thursday, match number nine, Europe once again, but this time the tertiary club tournament, the Europa Conference League, second qualifying round, second match of the two-legged ties. And we focused on AGF Aarhus out of Denmark, taking on Larn from Northern Ireland. The result was a 1-1 draw. And since Lauren had come in with a 2-1 win, they will advance. Our hosts were really up against it for this second leg. They lost a man to a second yellow in just the 26th minute. Ouch. Match number 10, the Bangladeshi Premier League was supposed to be Basundara Kings versus Sheikh Jamal DC. But alas, it was postponed until August 8th. And then our bonus match was with explanations on these coming later. Our route of the week was a Wednesday match out of the USL Championship, where Sporting Kansas City's reserve team took on number one, Louisville City. And the result, unsurprisingly, was a Louisville win. Didn't think it would be this close, one to two. The most meaningless match in the world came to us on a Wednesday, or was supposed to. Bangladesh, once again, because it was one that you voted on, was supposed to be number six, Sheikh Russell versus number seven, Saif. But that was originally postponed until July 30, and then it got postponed until August 5th, and now I'm not even seeing it on that date, so I don't know when it's going to be played. Finally, our match disappointed, a match that did get played from that very general region. It was a Friday match from the Jordanian Pro League, number 12, al Bukha taking on number 11, Sahab. And the result is that this got rescheduled for August 5th. So we might talk about it next week, depending on how you vote on Twitter on the polls for the bonus matches. And that concludes our wrap-up of last week's matchups. Let's get right back into the current week's tracking with... Match number six. 
you deserve a break after a weekend like that in New Bites. And so you get it off from your tracking on Monday, and then we are back to it on Tuesday. Our sixth match is a UEFA Champions League match. It's the third qualifying round. Uh, the loser of this match, unlike some of the previous rounds where they've been dropping all the way down to the tertiary Europa Conference League, the loser of this match will drop to the playoff round, one round right before the group stage in the Europa League. And your matchup out of Sweden, it is Malmo playing host to Rangers from Scotland. And uh, I believe all time, or at least in recent years, they have played a couple of times. Uh, Malmo is ahead 1-1-0 one, one on the series. Talking a little bit about each Malmo or Malmö, if I get my O pronunciation right from over there, out of Sweden. Uh, that is the name of the city as well as the club. It's on the southwest tip of the country, third largest city in the nation, about 700,000 people. This is the number 88 ranked club in UEFA. Lend some perspective that puts them next to uh, teams from some even stronger leagues, uh, uh, RAN out of France and Spartak Moscow, of course, in Russia. And the league, not too shabby. It is the 21st ranked league in UEFA. That is the Allsvenskan Liga, the top flight there. And I like leagues like this. The ownership, or the club rather, the ownership is an open member association publicly. And not only that, but everybody gets one vote each. You're either a member or you're not. There are no shares. So this team isn't run strictly by the rich necessarily. One vote for everyone. I like that. This is the most successful team in Swedish history. In 78-79, admittedly going back a while, but they were runners-up in the Champions League, so they've got some history here. They haven't done any better than the group stage in recent years, although they did make the round of 32 in the Europa League fairly recently. To get through to this round, they had to beat HJK from neighboring Finland. It was a wild one. They won 4-3 on aggregate in that second qualifying round, two-legged tie. In terms of their league, and they have a little bit of an advantage here, in my opinion, that they are already in form since this is Northern European, and then, of course, one of the continent's summer leagues. They're about halfway through the season. They've got the number one offense going, and number one in the league, despite the fact that their defense isn't all that great. They're actually below average in that category domestically. Tied for number one in league scoring, possible man of the match candidate is Antonio Solak. He is out of Croatia. He's actually here on loan from uh, PAOK over from the Greek Superliga. Bundesliga fans might recognize his name. Hoffenheim had the rights to him uh, from 2015 through 19, but he was always loaned out to various places. And then number two league in assists is Anders Christensen. He is their captain. And across all competitions, they are 3-2-0 in their last five. So coming to town, Rangers out of Scotland. This is the number 52 club, which in the rankings in Europe uh, puts them by Leicester City out of the Premier League and Milan out of Serie A in Italy. And the league, the Scottish Premiership, is uh, up quite a bit in recent years, up to number 14 in the UEFA standings. The team plays out of a town called Govan in the greater Glasgow area. This is a, a very low working class area economically. So if that's the sort of team you like to root for, this one is beyond blue collar, a little area of about 5,000 in the southwest. This team is also the most successful in the entire world in terms of the number of overall trophies won. Now, a lot of that has to do with the fact that there are only two good teams really in Scotland and the fact that the club has been established for way over 100 years there. Uh, that said, this is the first time that they've won the league title in the decade was last year, They have the, how they qualified for this. Now, they've been to the Europa League a ton, pretty much always finishing in second place, and they've made the round of 16 uh, multiple times in that event. Uh, let's see. The Rangers are entering at this at this uh, 
particular round, because the league is rated so high, number 14, they didn't have to play in the first or second qualifying round. And they might have deserved to even start a round or two further on because, wow, they laid waste to the Premier Shop last year. They went undefeated, 92 goals for and just 13 goals against. Pretty sure that's what got the uh, uh, Celtic <laughs> general manager fired. In any case, key players to look for, tied for second in league scoring last year was uh, Kimar Roof. Uh, he is English by birth, but he represents Jamaica internationally. And he's been with some other very good clubs, uh, Anderlecht over in, I believe, Belgium, and then Leeds, of course, on the British side. Uh, he started his career with West Brom, but he was always loaned out. Number one in assists for the league last year was Giannis Haji. And he is a Turkish-born uh, Romanian now, just 22 years old, attacking midfielder. And yet he's already played for one very good uh, club in a better league, quite frankly, in Belgium. He played for uh, Yank. Tied for number one in goalkeeping is a guy very long in the soccer, too, 39 years old, Alan McGregor. This is not his first stint with Rangers, and it was a long one his first time around as well. He was with them from 2001 to 2012. Then he went over to Hull City in England from 2013 through 18 before coming back on over to Rangers. Uh, the form uh, in their last three, which admittedly are all friendlies, they are 2-1-0, and but friendly or not, pretty impressive. They just within the last couple of weeks beat Real Madrid 2-1. to Match number seven. Another Sunday match and another Champions League. But this time we're headed to South America where they call it the Copa Libertadores and things are much farther along. They're already well into the event proper. This is a round of 16 match, the second match of a two-legged tie. And it features seven-seeded Fluminense out of Brazil and number 12, Cerro Porteño, the pride of Paraguay. If your cable package runs deeply enough, you can catch this on BN Sports at 6.15 in the evening. That's Eastern U.S. time. Uh, the first leg was won by Fluminense, uh, Fluminense on the road, nil two. The winner is going to get Barcelona SC out of Ecuador. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about your favorites here first, uh, Fluminense. Their nickname, uh, what I came across, was the Rice Powder. Yeah, I don't know if something was lost in the translation or what the deal was. I don't think it's a drug reference at the very least. In any case, they play out of uh, Lauren Hyrus out of uh, Rio de Janeiro. If you like your uh, if you like your footy rough and tumble like Glasgow Rangers is in terms of the fans and where it's located, this is not your team. Uh, Lauren Hyrus is uh, upper middle class area in the south zone of Greater Rio, mostly residential, and it's one of the oldest areas. Uh, this is the number thirty nine ranked club in all of South America. The team, uh, their best uh, Champions League finish ever. They finished runners-up in 2008, but they've never won it. They qualified for this year's event with a top-five finish in last year's uh, Brazilian top flight. They went 3-2-1 and one in the group stage for this event, and they topped River Plate out of Argentina by two points in that table. Very impressive. That said, boy, are they struggling in league. So if they want to get into next year's Copa Libertadores, they better win the whole thing here because the Brazilian Serie A season is not exactly uh, brand new, starting right out of the gate, and they are only in 11th place right now. The defense has been top six. They actually let in less than a goal per match, but the problem is they're scoring less than one goal per match. They're only doing better than basically the teams that are on the edge of getting relegated when in terms of scoring. So the guy they're most likely going to be counting on tied for number five in uh, Brazil statistically for goalkeeping is Marcos Felipe. And their all around best player is probably another defender, a left back veteran, 35 years old, uh, the singularly named uh, Ahidio. He's got an assist on the year. 
He's one of the only ones with an assist, giving how little they score. Decent tackler, great passer, but you can't facilitate everything from that far back. Now, the event scoring leader has been veteran 33-year-old striker Fred. He spent his heart of his heart of his career with this club on his first stint, and then he uh, spent most of the rest of his time in between these two stints with Lyon over in League One in France. This team's form not looking that great, to be honest, even though they just uh, won a couple of weeks ago against this team. They haven't done anything since. They've lost three straight matches, including a 2-1 to match to a team out of the third tier, Criciúma, out of the in the Copa do Brasil, the FA Cup down there. Now we'll talk about the cyclone that is Sarah Porteño. Yes, that's their nickname. This is a much more working class team. They play out of the Barrio Obrero in Asuncion. Uh, Paraguay's top flight, the Primera División, is ranked number four in South America. And this club, I believe, is ranked number 11. That said, UEFA ranking not so great for some reason, uh, barely inside the top 200. Champions League, they've done no better than the semifinals, but they've gotten that far six different times. Most recently, 2011, they qualified for this year's events, uh, event rather by winning the 2020 Apertura. That's the opening stage of the two seasons that they have in a calendar year there and in most countries in South and Latin America. In the group stage this year, they went 3-1-2, and two, very respectable, finished way behind one of my favorites to win the event out of Brazil, Atletico or Monairo, really decimated everyone in that group. Uh, the league is only, uh, or rather, in their domestic league currently going on the Apertura. They're only ranked number four right now. Tied for number three in league scoring is Mario or Mauro Boselli, an Argentinian. Uh, he is tied with teammate Rob. Robert Morales in that regard. Uh, Boselli, he actually, uh, CONCACAF fans will recognize his name if you follow Liga MX. He was with Leon from 2013 to 18. Interestingly, neither of these teams is on a really good form right now. This team is also 0-2-2 in their last four. Match number eight. Now, looking at Wednesday, we get into what is certainly the Major League Soccer match of the week, as it is a number one versus two matchup out of the Eastern Conference. Taking a look first at how the playoffs are going to work. The top seven teams from each of the conferences are going to make the playoffs. The winners will go straight through to the semifinals. In terms of international berths, the CONCACAF Champions League, each of the two conference winners automatically qualify. Whoever wins the playoffs also qualifies. And then our FA Cup, the U.S. Open Cup, the champion of that also qualifies. Your matchup, number one, New England, taking on number B, believe it or not, Nashville, ooh, in only your second year. Way to go, Nashville. You can catch this at 7 o'clock on ESPN Plus if the spirit moves you to do so. Nashville lead the series with one win and two draws against the Revs so far in their very brief history. Nashville also won their other meetup this season, 2-0 at home for them. New England, it's still their conference to lose. They lead by seven, although Nashville do have a match in hand. That's still a lot of points to make up. And then Nashville in turn lead Orlando by just one point. So it gets real tight in the table once you get down past New England. New England, I've got to catch one of these games because I want to sit next to this group someday. Just learned about them. The end zone militia. No, it's not a bunch of right-wing conspiracy you know, QAnon believers or whatever you want to have. These are civil war reenactors. 
They're there every match. I want to be a part of that somehow. CONCACAF Champions League. They made the quarterfinals in 2006. Best finish ever. Uh, they won the U.S. Open Cup, that FA Cup I mentioned in 2007. Last year, they finished only number eight in the East Conference, but that was good enough to make the playoffs last year. And then they made it all the way to the semifinals. They have won the Eastern Conference twice, but not since 2005. This year, Number one offense, and the offense is going to have to carry them if they're going to do it because their defense is rather below average. They're only tied for number nine statistically in the conference. Just woof on that particular department. Tied for number three in league scoring is Gustavo Bao out of Argentina. He played for Tijuana for a couple of years, so Liga MX fans may well recognize him. Uh, number one on assists for the entire league, not just the Eastern Conference, is Spaniard Carlos Gill. Fairly young guy. So far, the heart of his career he spent with Elche, although it was Valencia over in uh, La Liga in Spain that had the rights to him. Now, this team's form, it's a little hard to know what to make of this. They've won their last three matches, but it's been against very weak competition, according to the table. And they had been quite on a non-winning skid before that. So it's hard to say whether or not Nashville's catching them at a really good time. Personally, I like Nashville to get at least a result, maybe even a road win out of this, because they've got the number three offense and second best defense. That's that balance I like. Second overall goal differential. I believe that they could really push New England despite that deficit in the table. Last year, they finished number seventh in the East, yet once again, that was good enough for the playoffs, and they made the conference semifinals. Not too bad for an inaugural season. Scoring and assist leaderboards. You will find Haney Mukhtar's name on both. He is their German superstar. He's played for clubs like Hertha Berlin over in his home country, and as well as uh, Benfica over in the Primera Liga in Portugal. Number one statistically in goalkeeping, Joe Willis. He's an MLS guy through and through. He's also done time with DC United and uh, Houston Dynamo. But I think they're all around best and most important player. And this isn't always the sexiest thing, but he's a left back. He's a defender, but he's a box-to-box guy. He's got a goal this year. He's assisted on three of them. And yet at the other end, I have never seen a st- I, numbers are just numbers. But when I see a number like 79% success on tackles, when a lot of defenders who are in starting lineups for teams like this, you know, maybe having the high 50s or low 60s, this is a guy who is physical and going to be really fun to watch. I haven't watched Nashville yet this year, but I'm really looking forward to this one. Their form's pretty darn good. The team is 4-3-0 in their last seven. They've basically been winning every other match, and they haven't lost a match since June 18th when they uh, uh, went down, I believe, uh, nil 2 at New York Red Bulls. Match number nine. We head north of the border for this one as we check out the Premier League of Canada. They're about a quarter of the way through the season there, eight rounds specifically. And all eight of the first rounds, all the matches were played in a bubble effectively in Winnipeg. Now the teams are getting to return home and play their matches there. So this will be the first shot we get at seeing that. The champions of this league at the end of the year, they will get the North American slot in the CONCACAF League. Please note that it's not the CONCACAF Champions League. We have a feeder tournament for our Champions League that's mostly Caribbean and Central American uh, clubs, but then there's also one North American slot and Canada will get it. And your matchup is number B Pacific FC versus number one Valor FC. Valor leading the table by four right now. In turn, Pacific are actually tied on points at the table with Cavalry FC. They lead them on goal differential, as you would imagine. And the all-time series is led by Pacific. They have a 4-1-1 one, one record against Valor. It's not, not a real long series because these teams and the whole darn league are actually really pretty new. But still, we'll learn what we can about each. 
First, Pacific FC, they play out of Greater Victoria, which is right at the southern tip of Vancouver Island. This is the club's third season in existence. I was kind of surprised to find that they have no American players whatsoever. I would have thought just because of geographical ease that they would have some young up-and-comers from our country, but no. Last year, they finished number four in the CPL table. This year, they are getting it done on offense and offense alone, number one in that category, but they are only number six out of eight on defense. That's their bugaboo. Number one on assists and on the scoring leaderboard is Marcos Bustos. He is their star. Two years ago, he actually played for Valor. He spent the heart of his career with uh, the Vancouver Whitecaps of Major League Soccer, sort of. He, uh, I'm not sure he made any appearances for Vancouver proper. He was exclusively or almost exclusively with their reserve team, the number B team, if you will. And then number B in statistical goalkeeping for the league is Callum Irving, closest thing we had to the U.S. connection. He's not from there, but he played his college ball four years at the University of Kentucky. Meanwhile, Valor, they have been getting home matches essentially all season because they are based out of Winnipeg. The club is named for Valor Road, which in turn is named for three World War I heroes that all uh, grew up or lived in that area. The club is only four years old, and this is one of those I really like. I found that they were locally owned. I love to see stuff like that. They finished in sixth place both of their first two seasons of play, so certainly doing much better now. Second best offense in the league going, and defense, wow. Just three goals allowed. I think that the Valor is going to get a result today and that they are going to go on to win this league handily. Number one in league scoring, Austin Ricci, 25-year-old forward. Two years ago, uh, he was with York 9, which is now just York FC out of this league. On the assist leaderboard is Kevin Alaman. He is Costa Rican-born. Played one year for one of my favorite teams in all of CONCACAF. I love Saprisa out of Costa Rica for some reason. And the number one on goalkeeping, Jonathan Saroy, he's just 20 years old. You wonder how long the CPL will be able to hold on from him, hold on to him. In fact, he is here on loan from uh, CF Montreal of Major League Soccer. And match number 10, we're done. Finally! No, as Verdad person new, we still have our three super fun bonus matches to go after this. But not to be ignored is our sole Thursday match, and it comes to us out of the CONCACAF League. Yeah, the one we were just talking about that isn't the CONCACAF Champions League. This one's a feeder tournament for the CCL, almost entirely Caribbean and Central American teams. Now, this is the start of the event, the preliminary round. I believe there are 10 matches going on. The teams are fighting for berths in the round of 16. The winners of this event, plus all of the next five best clubs, are all going to qualify for the CONCACAF Champions League. And the matchup is the only entrant from the country of Belize, Verdes FC, taking on Costa Rican Santos de Guapiles. If your cable package runs deeply enough, you can catch this on FS2 on 6 p.m. Eastern on Thursday. The winners are going to get likely beaten by uh, Plaza Amador, uh, the second best team in the Aptura, Apertura Champions last year out of Panama in the round of 16. But let's take a look at these two while we still can. Verdes FC, uh, you know your Spanish at all, the nickname will not surprise you, the Green Machine. Now, this is the number 15 rated league in CONCACAF. They're weaker than all the other Central American leagues. And it's worth noting that 22 of the uh, mostly Caribbean league teams, uh, league associations, don't even play enough internationally or at all to earn points. So it's really hard to say where some of these leagues, like Belize, truly would rank in the overall association. But suffice it to say, it's a very small country, 
And we're happy to get a team from there to look at for one week while we can. They play out of San Ignacio, which is the capital of the Western Cayo district in the country. That in its twin town of St. Elena, and maybe about 17,000 people. Uh, if you like your fun outdoor in nature, this is a great place to go to see Mayan ruins and something I would really like to do because I used to do a fair bit of canoeing is cave canoeing. This team qualified by winning the 2019-2020 opening stage. There was no 2021 season that was qualifying teams. That got canceled for the pandemic. And then the 2019-2020 closing stage last year, just like all other Latin American countries, they play in Apertura and a Clausura, but because English is the official language over there in Belize, they simply call the stages opening and closing. That closing stage also got abandoned or canceled partway through. So they had to reach all the way back to the Apertura two seasons ago to find their qualifier. That said, don't completely discount Verdes. They did make the CONCACAF Champions League group stage fairly recently, 2015-16. They've won the title in Belize three different times. In their most recent season, admittedly a while ago, but they had the number one offense. They were scoring over three goals per match and the second best defense. They beat uh, Belmapan Bandits out for the title by five points in just 14 matches. And then they also won the playoff title, beating uh, Belmapan 3-1 to one in the playoff final. Uh, number one league leading scorer was Mexican Mariano Landero, and the MVP of the season was another Mexican, Edwin Vieda. Their playoff MVP was a homegrown player, however, Christian or Crishon, not sure of the pronunciation, Lopez, a midfielder, just 22 years old. It will be interesting to see if he maybe gets to move up into some of the bigger Central American leagues with a little bit of time. Meanwhile, your favorite, Santos de Guapiles, they play out of the Costa Rican city of Limon, which is just the, just the seventh biggest city in the country, but it's a really special one. 50,000, 55,000 people is maybe all the larger it is, but this is the Afro Costa Rican center of the entire country. Historically, along with laborers from some other countries, uh, the ones who are from African descent that really helped build up a lot of the country, when they were done with them, they shoved them off all into this community and really limited their travel. So the populace and the influence uh, of the app from the African continent, their lineage is really strong in this community. Just so unique. They were promoted to division one in 1999 in the country and they have never won the league. They did finish in second place twice. Most recently they managed that in one of the stages in 2012. They received the third and final berth from last year's play for this year's CONCACAF League, uh, Alajuense. Uh, There's an extra syllable in there. I always forget about it. They won both stages in the 2019-2020 season. Uh, Santos de Guapolis were the weaker of the two-stage runners-up. In fact, they finished nearly in last place in the uh, Apertura, that opening stage. However, during the closing stage, they had the second-best offense and tied for uh, the fifth-best defense, really made some improvements. Uh, they are captained by Eder Monguillo, who is a defender. Before we dive into the first of the bonus matches, I want to acknowledge a couple of the events and matches that I didn't happen to cover, but that were important to me this week. As we learned in the recap, and this is the most important one, uh, the Des Moines Menace of League Two, that's the fourth tier of the U.S., they won their semifinal match. Good luck to them into the championship, I believe, against North Carolina Fusion under 23 that they'll get to play there at Valley Stadium in West Des Moines. Certainly no offense, North Carolina, but go Menace. And also, I normally, because it's one of my favorite events, like to cover a match from the Europa Conference League each week. 
two, uh, the first matches of the two-legged ties were all played late for this upcoming week. I'm going to get back to them next week when I know which of the two-legged ties were particularly competitive. And then finally, this was my favorite one that I found this week. I'd never heard of it before, embarrassingly. It's out of South Africa, and I believe the name of it is the Carlin Cup, and that's named for the beer sponsor. It is a postseason match. South Africa's uh, Premier League just finished up between Kaiser Chiefs and Orlando Pirates, the two teams that play out of the Oswego area of Johannesburg. And what makes this really, really interesting is not the trophy or any money that might be might be at stake, but exactly how it's run. On the uh, underside of the beer caps for Carling for a certain amount of time, there are codes. And I guess you can go online or maybe it's phone calls. I don't even know. And you use those codes to vote who you want to be in the starting 11 for each team. Now, I don't know if teams do that to try to get really garbage players and reserves into the other team starting 11 and how that works, but it's really interesting. And then taking it a step further in real time, those same codes, the same voting procedure gets used to determine who are going to be subs during the actual match. So a whole lot of fun. I have a feeling you can't find an internet stream for it, but New Bites, I encourage you to, because that sounds like no other match I've ever heard of. And now it is time for the bonus matches at long last. And what is it that makes them my favorite thing? Well, one of them is that you get to decide what some of the magic content is going to be. Soccer Noob USA is my Twitter handle. Check me out, particularly on Monday or Tuesday. I try to throw up Twitter polls with the candidate matches for each of these bonus matches. You vote, magic content happens, and we all have a great time looking at some teams that probably nobody else is going to look at, at the very least these matches, and sometimes the clubs entirely. So the first candidate match that you vote on is a first versus last place matchup from some country's top flight in the world that we like to call Person Noob the... Route, route. Yes, and it's just that dramatic that it deserves that level of sound effect. Good job, Person Noob. I love you. So this is a Thursday match that you voted on, and so it's going to come to us out of Jordan's Premier League, which is the number 12 ranked league in the AFC. They're about halfway through the season there. The champion is going to get to go to the Champions League group stage, and then they'll also get to send a second-place team to the AFC Cup group stage. Two of the teams are going to be relegated. All of that is relevant since this is the first versus last place. And the matchup is number one, Al-Wedat versus number 12, Al-Buka. Al-Wedat lead two teams in the table, including an undefeated team, strangely enough, by three points. And then Al-Buka trails Sahab by seven, and they trail Al-Jaleel, which is the safety point, third to last place, by eight points in the table. First, the home team, Al-Wedat, they are known as the Green Giant, ho-ho-ho. Maybe some of you aren't old enough to remember that commercial. Maybe you will be. I don't care. Anyway, they play out of the Amman New Camp, which is a Palestinian refugee camp in the southeast part of the greater Amman area. That's the capital. This is one of 10 of these uh, large camps that are registered in the country for Palestinian refugees. It is the second largest one, about 57,000. And history buffs will know this area well because from in the 60s through the 80s, so I just barely remember this as kind of a child of the 80s, uh, this camp and club were both synonymous with Palestinian. You could just about say 
uh, way dot instead of Palestinian. People knew exactly what you meant. Uh, the club overall by FIFA, not that strong, admittedly, even though they're number one in this league. They're not even quite rated inside the top 600. In the AFC, in Asia, they're almost in the top 50. And of course, as you might imagine in Jordan, they are number one, as well as perhaps even being number one in our hearts. But I'll let you choose who to love. In any case, they have 17 league titles to their credit, 10 of those since 2004. And they are the defending champions. This is your current behemoth in the league. Uh, they made the Champions League group stage this year. That was the best that they've ever done. Once they got there, they finished in third place out of the four, but finished a respectable two, one, and three. They didn't get to advance, as you might imagine. Only the winners did. As far as their domestic top flight league, they are tied for best in offense, scoring two goals per game on the dot. The defense is where they suffer a little bit, only number eight in that particular category. feels like we've been seeing a lot of that this podcast. But in this case, things are a little bit different because all of the teams that are at the top of the table in uh, the Jordanian top league all have statistically poor defenses. The teams that are not conceding as many goals that are farther down the table, it's because they're not trying to score either. So the whole goal differential thing looks very strange. Suffice it to say the defense is good enough that they can still easily win this league. They are captained by a Jordanian-Palestinian left back named Mohamed Alderi, who has almost 80 national caps to his credit. Now, meanwhile, your roadkill in waiting, Al Buka. We talked about them recently before, but I still love their mascot, the Black Horse. And they play out of the uh, eponymously named refugee camp of Baka, which is in a different area of the greater capital metro, about 10 miles north, and it's about 100,000 strong. This is another one of my favorite ones to mention because I know that they play their games at the Aleman International Stadium. But in one of the two or three sources that I use regularly for research, for some reason, their, quote, home ground, end quote, ends up coming up as the Bayshore Mall parking lot. Pretty weird in its own regard. They must have a practice field that happens to be near a mall and they just haven't named it. I'm not sure. But it also, I always think Bayshore, I think Bayside and Saved by the Bell, that's a rabbit hole in my subconscious. We don't need to go down. In any case, this cub isn't all losing this. Uh, they are the two-time runners-up from the FA Cup. They managed a second-place finish as recently as 2013-14. They were demoted out of the top league two years ago and just came back up. And <laughs> they are going right back down. Oh, oh, and 11. Five goals for and 27 goals against. What is that stench? Sorry to say it, but it's the black horse. Uh, they are captained by Adnan Adu, might be their best player overall, a Jordanian-Palestinian midfielder. Uh, he was with this club for a long time, 2006 through 14. Then he went over to Wadat, oddly enough, for one season, and then he came back here. Maybe he was to be with his brother. He's got a brother on this team as well. And he's got over 30 national team caps to his credit. Good luck to them. I think they're going to need it here in the route of the week. Could you be... The most meaningless match in the world. Yes, you could. You're so boring. Thank you for joining me on the Prince Ripped Off theme song for this second of our bonus matches, Person Noob. You're a good sport and you are very, very brave. I appreciate it and love you. The most meaningless match in the world. What does that mean? Well, I've scoured all the top flight domestic leagues in the world looking for matchups between teams that are right next to each other and perfectly equidistant from first place or international berths and last place or the league's relegation zone matches that just don't matter, hence their meaninglessness. And the one that you have voted on is a Sunday league. 
is a Sunday match from Nigeria, what they call the Pro Football League there. That is the number eight rated league in Africa, by the way. They get two Champions League berths, one Confederation Cup berth, and four of the teams are going to be relegated. There's just two matches left in the season, and both of these teams are perfectly immune from being able to go to a tournament or getting kicked out of their league down to the second division. And the matchup is number 10, Plateau United, versus number 9, Dakota, or Dakota. I'm not sure I'm getting my emphasis on the right syllable there. In any case, the table. Plateau United trail Dakota by 2. They lead number 17, Jigawa Golden Stars, by eight. So as you can see, as I said, they're immune. Meanwhile, Dakota, in turn, trailed number three and Yiba. That's the team that's going to get the last international berth as things stand by 12 points. So these teams are simply going to go home and return next year as if nothing ever happened. First matchup this season, uh, Dakota won that 1-0 in their previous three meetings. Things have been very even, 1-1-1. One, one, and one. We'll take a look at each Plateau United. This is a team that might be a little bit familiar to you if you follow football from this region. We'll get into that in a moment. They play out of the city of, I'm just going to pronounce it, Jos, J-O-S. It's part of what is called the Middle Belt in Nigeria. It's a region uh, running east to west that very much uh, culturally separates the northern Muslim area from the southern Christian parts. It's really kind of culturally two countries in one, but you get a lot of mixing and therefore a lot of violence, unfortunately, here in the Middle Belt. Joss is the capital of a state called Plateau, hence the uh, name of the club, and the city's metro area has about a million people. Uh, the club name used to belong to, interestingly, a Division II team now called Mighty Jets. So apparently when Mighty Jets abandoned the name, Plateau United simply, or what is now Plateau United, simply picked it up. Sort of weird. Last year, uh, Plateau finished number one in a shortened season. Thank you very much, COVID pandemic. A whole lot. Uh, let's see. And their other league title, the only other one they won was in 2017. Champions League, they lost in the preliminary round just this year. Uh, They're tied for number nine in the league on offense, number seven on defense, and have the sixth best goal differential. So it seems like they should be doing a little bit better than they have, but apparently they just haven't been able to close games out well. Tied for number four in the league is Zolkifalu Rabiu. And if I got anywhere close on that, I'm going with a phonetic pronunciation, then hooray for me. Uh, Their recent form, they are just 0-1-2 in their last three matches. Meanwhile, I'm sticking with the pronunciation of Dakota. They play out of the city of Uyo, U-Y-O, a a part of a very rich, uh, oil-rich part of the country. They're down in the southeast corner of the nation, area of about a half a million. The city is is the capital of the Aqua Ibom State. And the team is formerly known as the Aqua Starlets FC. Pretty cool name. Uh, Dakota, in terms of the translation, I had to do some digging. I believe it's sort of a it's sort of a creed, and yet it's not quite a hard noun like that. It more refers to a reinvigoration of old doctrines, becoming becoming modern. Again. Not just soccer new, but apparently I'm African language noob as well. Uh, they just won promotion of this league in 2019-20. And so, you know, hey, the match of meaningless is a whole lot better than where new teams usually are, which is in the third and final bonus match we'll get to in a little bit. Uh, this year, the statistics sort of belie where they ought to be. Uh, they've only got the 13th best offense and 14th best defense. So unlike their counterparts today, they apparently have been quit closing out the games that have actually been close. When they... W- 
And uh, this has really been the key to how they've been able to go this high. They've got the fewest draws in the league this season, only five in a very, very large 20-team league. And so, you know, when you're going for only wins and losses, you can sometimes get a few more points. The team leading scorer is Isaac George, and oddly enough, he is a defender, and he had seven goals on the year. Uh, Therefore, I'm a very, very even 1-1-1 coming into this match. And now at last, we truly come to the end of our podcast road, the third and final bonus match of the Tenda Track. And as always, we don't care to end on notes of happiness or joy, but rather with wailing and gnashing of teeth, with two teams facing off that are the bottom of their league table and are worthy of your scorn. This is the match of... Disappointed! And it is a Sunday match coming to us from South Korea's K-League 1. Nothing disappointing about the league at large. They're rated number 5 in the AFC. They're about halfway through the season. Relevant for these two teams since they were the bottom two in the table. The last place one will get relegated at the end of the year, no matter how much they may cry and scream. And the second-to-last place team will have to earn their spot in next year's K-League 1 by trying to defeat the number two team from K-League 2 in what they call a relegation playoff match. And your matchup is number 11, Guangzhou FC, taking on last place number 12, Songnam FC. They are tied in points on the table. Uh, Guangzhou lead by one on goal differential. They both trail FC Seoul by two. So given that they're only halfway through the season, all hope is not lost. But for right now, you're disappointed. We don't think very much of you. Let's see. Uh, Songnam won the first match of the season uh, two to nothing, and they lead the overall series, or at least the last twenty matches, uh, with an eight six and six record against them. We'll take a look at Guangzhou first. Uh, they are the Griffins. Hey, you know what? We've made it pretty much to this whole podcast without seeing any lions. That's got to be a first. I love this run on muscat mascots that we're having. Almost said muskrats, which would be another. Uh, interesting and cool mascot. I had that on my brain because one of the weird dishes I found when I was looking up things related to the CONCACAF Gold Cup match earlier and food was actually some culture that cooks muskrat, which I'd never heard of. In any case, the Griffins, they play out of the number six size city in South Korea. It's called a metropolitan city, and that means it is under the direct control of the central government, not any sort of state or provincial government over them. The translation, it basically means province of light. They are located in the southwest province of Geola, J-E-O-L-L-A, which is a very agricultural reason and known because of that for its fine cuisine. They were founded uh, fairly new. They're uh, just founded in 2010. Uh, they've been a bit of a yo-yo team. They regained their Division One status two years ago, 2019. Last year, they finished in sixth place, and I believe that's the first time they've ever finished in the top half of the K-League 1. This year, not going so great, obviously. They are tied for worst on offense, scoring exactly one goal per game is all. The defense, it's a little bit more respectable, number number eight in the league, credit where credit is due. They do have a player on the assist leaderboard for the league. He is a Brazilian, singularly named uh, Rias, R-E-I-S. Team scoring leader is John Woo Kim. He's a central attacking midfielder who's got three goals. And as far as their form... (laughs) Oofda, they have not won a match since April 20th. All right, let's see if uh, things get any prettier or less disappointing when we look at Songnam. Probably not. They're known as the Magpies. Uh, Their old symbol was something I wasn't able to quite track down the meaning of. It's something called a Chunma or Chunma, which is the is the symbol of the Unification Church, or what used to be called, uh, I think as recently as the 80s, I remember this from my formative years, the Moonies. Remember them? In any case, uh, they play out of uh, a, 
city of the same name. It's the 10th biggest is all in South Korea, but effectively it's a satellite city of Seoul. It's got about a million people. Largely residential area is southeast of the capital proper, and it's the first planned city in Korean history. Originally, this club was called Ilwa Chunma FC. Now, I don't know if they were owned uh, by the Unification Church or a group that was affiliated or not, but I have a feeling they were. But then the local government bought them and changed the name to what it is now in 2014. It's hard to see a team like this in the match of Disappointed. You hate to, but somebody's got to be there. They've won seven league titles, though the last one was all the way back in 2006. They've got two Champions League titles to their credit. In South Korea, you can get to the Champions League finishing in the top three. They won the darn thing twice, and as recently as 2010, and yeah, here they are looking at rele getting relegated. Just awful. Last year, they barely avoided having to play the relegation playoff. They finished only in 10th place. The one advantage that they do have coming into this one is that they have played two fewer matches than their opponents. Now, that said, I did the math on the points earned per match, and even once you average everything out, this would still be the second worst team and still be one of the disappointed, disappointing teams and ripe for this slot in our podcast. This year, they've got the, uh, they are tied for number eighth on offense and number 10 on defense. So the statistics would suggest that maybe they can pull themselves out of this yet. They've got time. Number four league leading scorer is Faisal Milic, Serbian forward. Uh, last year, he played with a team in uh, Bosnia and Herzegovina's top flight. He's uh, been all over Europe, played in top flight clubs with Slovenia and two or three of them in Israel. He's got eight goals on the season. I don't think anybody else has scored more than once from what I was seeing. If what the list I saw was up to date, that's just incredible. And their form, even worse than their opponents. They haven't won since a week before their opponents. Not since April 14th have they walked away with a victory. And so while we would like to wish good luck to both teams, we won't because they're so incredibly disappointing, among the most disappointing in the world, and we will end it the only way that is fitting, and that is with our weekly Bronx cheer. <laughs> hey, nothing in the intro of the show ever said it was going to be a grown-up show, okay? Yeah, believe it or not, we actually end the show that way. Hey, I'd like to thank some folks before we cut out for good. Thank you so much to the management for all of his editing and production efforts to Dan, my former interno inferno for all his efforts week to week and his constant inspiration. And of course, to nine-year-old daughter, person who I love you so much. I'm glad that we have this in common, get to do this together. It's lots of fun. And to you, the listener, thanks so much for checking us out. I know there's a lot of soccer podcasts out there. If you're listening to this one, you're listening to other ones. I hope you've enjoyed finding something that's a little odd and a little bit different but gives you a lot of information and fun from a lot of different leagues and tournaments from around the world. And I hope you'll share that with your uh, footy minded friends. In any case, until we can get together next time, have a fabulous footy week. Take care.